0: Yo, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the EPM Show. This is all things Enterprise Performance Management, and we are here to give you an unfair career advantage. Today, we host Zaf Kamar, who is the founder of Constellation. They're an Anaplan implementation partner, and I love this conversation. So, give you a little context. Zaf has led two Anaplan practices at two different gold partners before starting his own firm. And in this episode, he talks a lot about values-aware transformation and how that sets Constellation apart, specifically why it's important to incorporate a company's values into its digital transformation efforts. We also hit on a couple of specific values, accountability, collaboration, and sustainability, and how companies can do a better job of connecting those from just being words on paper to actually lived and felt values in decision-making. The other thing we talked about is what it means to be a culture carrier in your organization and how that can help you in your career. And then from a career growth perspective, how to recognize the difference between the values that your company will espouse and the behaviors that are actually rewarded and how to navigate that difference in a way that will help you elevate your career and accelerate your influence. Check it out. Zaf, how you doing?
1: Hey, Chad. Great to be with you today. I'm excited to be on the show.
0: Awesome. I'm going to get us started with one of our patented questions. Give me your career flyover in 60 seconds.
1: All right. Sounds great. Well, going back to college, I I actually studied engineering. So I got my bachelor's and my master's in electrical engineering. I came out of school in, in sort of the pits of the great financial crisis, but I managed to find my way to Accenture. So I started off in consulting. For the next almost 10 years, I worked with Oracle Hyperion across Accenture and then a couple of other different firms. I found my way, moved up the ranks to a regional architect for the New York market. At that point, I was kind of tapped on the shoulder by leadership to say, hey, we're interested in trying out this Anaplan platform. Is this something that you might be interested in? It was a tough decision because obviously I had all that time on Oracle Hyperion, but I decided to make the switch. That was about six years ago, and I'm really happy that I did. Since then, I've been practice director at two different gold tier partner firms at Peloton Group and Lion Point. And as far as I know, I I think I'm the only, maybe this is my claim to fame. I'm the only two-time gold partner practice director, but uh, apart from that, now I have started my own firm and yeah, that's, that's basically my career in a nutshell. You crushed it and
0: got it just in time, but two-time gold partner practice director. That's quite an accomplishment. The next question we love to ask our audience is just to get to know you a little bit better. So my question for you today is... If you could go pro at anything, what would it be and why?
1: If I could go pro at anything, ooh, probably a lot of different things. But if I could go pro at anything, it'd probably be NFL. I'd love to be a quarterback. I I think that that is such a cool position, captain of the offense, such a difficult game mentally and physically. That's what I would say.
0: NFL quarterback, who's your team?
1: New York Jets. Let's
0: go, Aaron Rodgers. Hey, there we go. So the Jets quarterback, that's the dream. (laughs) Exactly. Well, hey, let's dive into the content. One of the things that you and I have talked about offline that I know you're very passionate about, and one of the reasons you actually started Constellation was this idea of values-aware digital transformation. Can you just educate me and educate the audience on what that is and why you're so passionate about it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So at Constellation, what we fundamentally believe is that people buy from companies that they believe in. And that is to say that people buy from organizations where the values of the organization is somewhat mirrored in their own values. And we think that that's something, that's a trend that's going to be increasing over time. And we think that the most successful companies of tomorrow then are gonna be the ones who actually take those values and they really embed them into the way that they operate their business on a day-to-day perspective. and and basically make those values more than just window dressing or greenwashing or whatever you want to call it and really embed those things that they say that they believe in into the way that they run their businesses and their processes. And so at Constellation, we say that we are champions of values aware digital transformation. What that means, the digital transformation part, I think folks generally know what that is, bringing your processes online, making it so that they are digitizable, readable, understandable from a coding perspective. But the values aware component is really taking that thought of, okay, as a firm, who are we? And therefore, how should our transformation come to life? That might be completely different if you're a Silicon Valley tech firm versus if you're a New York City, you know, financial services firm versus if you're a Midwestern health network. The values espoused by those organizations are going to be, you know, potentially very different. And so we think that ignoring the values, ignoring the culture of your company as you move through those transformations is a surefire way to, to you know approach failure and, and we think it's really critical to success.
0: That makes so much sense. And I definitely see what you're saying in terms of people buy from companies where they see their values being lived out and kind of walked out by their people. And it's becoming more and more so that way. The other thing that I was thinking about as you were talking is that one of the things that we talk about a lot on this show is what prevents companies from fully realizing the benefits of a transformation and a lot of times it always starts with the people and i can't help but see a connection there between hey we're doing this transformation but it's not connected to our values so we don't have the people on board especially like what you talked about earlier culture carriers our culture carriers might not be on board so that i love that you're tapping into the values of the organization and saying these need to be woven in to the transformation process because i have to imagine that it it leads to more successful transformation Mm -hmm. and it leads to greater adoption. At the end of the day, if you're going to make an investment into a tool like Anaplan or a tool like Pigment or a tool like SAP, those are big investments. That's a big, big dollar figure. And so you want to see it. And so I love that you start with the values. Can you maybe share some examples of what that looks like when when it's actually played out?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We can pick on a, a couple of values and really think about how they might manifest themselves into a transformation. One of my favorite ones is accountability. So a lot of companies, every company I'm sure has accountability plastered up on their walls. Maybe there's a cat poster or something like that there too. Just left as is, accountability can just be a buzzword or something that just generally means, Hey, have high integrity and, you know, take personal account. But I think at the organizational perspective, it can mean you know something different. Fundamentally, Accountability is measuring where you are relative to where you said you were going to be, and then learning from that, doing something about that, and potentially correcting the behaviors that have led or that were led to maybe some adverse outcomes. I think on a personal basis, we can apply this as well. When you think about your own performance management, let's say. On an annual basis, maybe you get an appraisal or an annual review. And and at the beginning of that process, one of the really important things that you need to do is set goals. And what do they always say? Set SMART goals, right? Specific, measurable, achievable, and so on and so forth. And the measurable aspect of it, that's really key. You have to, before the assessment period is over, you have to, very early on in the process, set measurable goals. And then hold yourself account to those measurable goals later on apply to enterprise performance management, we're talking now about the performance of an entire organization, the performance of an entire business unit. And what that involves is basically setting those goals early on in the process. That can be a budget, that can be a forecast. And then at the end of that process, really assessing, okay, where did we end up relative to where we started? And so I think something like variance analysis is a really great way to, to bring accountability into your organization and really digging into and almost like bridging your variances and say, okay, well, you know, this component was things that were uncontrollable and that's fine, but here are the components where these were controllable things that we, that we didn't do, let's say that had an adverse impact on our overall business outcomes. Let's work to correct those over time and let's be held accountable for, you know, for the goals that we set and and the fact that we did or did not deliver.
0: I'm a big fan of accountability and for me this kind of almost goes back to my days as an athlete. I was a wrestler in college. And so when I think about accountability, I think about to what you said. We set a goal whether you're an individual or an organization, but I need to make sure that my habits and my actions on a daily basis back up whatever it is we're working towards. And so I love when you weave accountability in. You kind of give permission for people or organizations to be called out in areas where they're in the red. And I think one of the challenges with accountability is a lot of people are afraid to see red on their scorecard, right? So what do you think prevents organizations from really living into accountability?
1: I think that it it echoes a lot on what you just said there. A lot of people are, and this is where it gets into the culture of the organization, but a lot of organizations are afraid to see red. They're afraid to make it seem like they're not doing well or that they haven't done as well as as they ought to have, as opposed to being interested in the truth, being interested in in seeing, okay, where did we end up and how can we get better? And I think that's a mindset around, do we have a commitment to getting better over time and therefore being okay with dips that may happen in, in overall performance where, hey, maybe we didn't have a good quarter.
0: So we've talked about accountability. I know you have a couple others here that you're very excited about. What are some other examples where values-aware digital transformation can really set an organization apart?
1: Yeah, I think another one is collaboration. And this one ties really nicely into Anaplan. A lot of times what organizations like to do is you'll move up through the ranks, you'll have certain organizational hierarchies that, that develop. And from an ownership perspective, a lot of organizations can say, okay, this is my area of control. And this is the team that I want to manage. And we have our own technology and all that kind of stuff. Well, from a collaboration perspective, that's not necessarily the best approach to take. Collaboration often means that you are working cross-functionally between HR and finance or between supply chain and finance, let's say for example, and a part of that collaboration, whether it's through business partnering or other tools and techniques that can be used, the, the best solution is usually the one where those teams work hand in hand together. And part of that means opening yourself up, opening up the decision making, having more decision makers, you know, sort of accountable for the, the results of something, and really trusting in other areas of your organization to be able to work with you to move forward. I think that's where connected planning can can really shine. And, and for an organization that says that they want to be collaborative, what are the opportunities that we have to partner with other organizations to break down those silos and to really think about, okay, what is that holistic solution that might be better for all parties involved? And how do I engage the right stakeholders throughout my organization to be able to move towards those ends? That's the real meaning of collaboration. It's not necessarily that you and your team are working really nicely in your Slack chats and your, you know, and your Microsoft Teams chats are are funny and you've got some cool memes and things like that. Now, collaboration means that you're willing to reach across the aisle to folks who it it might be a little difficult to work with in order to move move forward toward a a more difficult potentially, but ultimately better solution.
0: I love that you talked about embracing the difficulties of collaboration because it's easy to think about collaboration as kind of this warm and fuzzy type of a thing. But when you really get down into it, collaboration is hard because people have different backgrounds, they have different opinions, they have different beliefs. I know another thing that you're super passionate about when it comes to values aware transformation is sustainability. Can you talk about how sustainability actually plays a role in transformation? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think, you know, sustainability is something that has been talked about in in some contexts for decades now, but I think that it is really coming to a head. And in fact, I think things around sustainability are going to be coming more into the public lexicon over the couple, next couple of years. The Paris Climate Accords, in 2030, <clears throat> the first set of emissions goals are due. So very soon, you're going to hear things on various websites and social media about scope one, scope two, and scope three. And I think those are all going to be things that <clears throat> people become acquainted with. And to apply that to, let's say, for example, FBNA, financial planning and analysis, I'll give you three examples of areas that every single organization is going to have to think about. Number one has to do with facilities expenses and your actual physical buildings that you have. And a lot of organizations, what they're likely to do over the next couple of years is they're going to make some decisions around back to work or hybrid or fully remote. And that will have cascading implications on their decisions on whether to downside or consolidate certain offices and office space. And... Another thing that might factor into that is basically what are the emissions associated with the buildings that we're in right now? And if we do make a change, maybe we move from our LEED Silver Certified into a LEED Platinum Certified building, and that's something that can have the double effect of cost savings from a office rent perspective, and then also emission savings towards their goals. A second one has to do with travel. Now, obviously with COVID, lots of folks move not only remotely, but you know, folks were not traveling into work at all. And I think taking a look at travel spend and, and thinking about, okay, consultant here, for example, and I've done a lot of travel over, over my years in consulting, what are the emissions associated with the travel that I take? It's no longer just, okay, it's gonna be a couple hundred bucks for this flight and a couple hundred bucks for this hotel. Can you build models to be able to also, by the way, calculate the emissions associated with that. It should be you know, really relatively simple to develop the emissions analog of the financial plans and then really use that in, in your decision-making. And the third one, and this is definitely a big one, especially in the context of a lot of the cloud computing that we're seeing around AI, has to do with cloud servers. Organizations no longer really have those big data centers in their orgs. More often, they're, they're sort of outsourcing some of that to the AWSs, the Google Cloud, and the, <clears throat> the Microsoft Azures of the world. And what's important to recognize and, and remember is that just because those emissions aren't being felt in your own electrical sockets at your office doesn't mean that you're not accountable for those emissions. And so thinking about how does my compute spend and my IT you know, cloud spend, how is that contributing to our emissions you know, over time? And are there things that we can do you know, to be able to not only lower our operating costs, but lower our operating emissions as well to, to be able to get our organization towards those, those key goals?
0: So I'm thinking about this from the perspective of an individual, right? Mm-hmm. We've talked about accountability, we've talked about collaboration, we've talked about sustainability. Mm-hmm. And let's say I'm I'm a model builder, I'm a solution architect, either at a consultant or at a customer. And I see that my company has these espoused values that you talk about, right? And maybe mm-hmm. I see a gap. How How can someone as an individual become that culture carrier who's helping their company or their firm think about how do we better implement our values throughout our transformation, throughout our services and our products? And how can that help them advance their career?
1: I think step one is to definitely identify the values at your organization and understand that the, Values that are written up on the walls and that are on the website and everything like that might not actually be the exact values that are manifested within the organization. And I think that hopefully that's something that gets fixed over time. But fundamentally, step one is to really look at that. What are the behaviors that are being encouraged and discouraged in your own organization? Find those culture carriers. And that is to say people who are well-known, well-liked. And who have potentially moved up the ladder in, and have been promoted within your organization, seek those folks out, talk to them, ask them about how they, you know, sort of got there and then try to dig deep. And, and if you can, you know, I would say, try to tie it into, you know, some of the values that, you know, that they may have leveraged along their way. And I'll give a couple of examples of, of how this might show up. One of them is, you know, around, let's say collaboration. I think from a collaborative perspective one of the ways that people make decisions around who might move up is they'll sort of like crowdsource some answers and they'll say like, oh, hey, like we've got, you know, John Smith over here. And, you know, if if one executive raises their hand, they're like, oh yeah, he helped me out with a little project somewhere. And then somebody else says, oh yeah, I I also know him. You know, there was a, there was a social event in, in New York and we had a really great conversation, whatever it is. You know, I think that if that crowdsourcing is something that is important in your organization where folks might get promoted if they're well-known and well-liked within an organization, then maybe look to, to do that yourself. That might be a little bit uncomfortable in terms of selling yourself and, and talking about yourself, but I think it's a really important thing to do And, and in the context of moving up in your career not only building relationships with your direct you know, managers and, and, and you know, the, the leaders above that, but also peripherally as well around the organization, just to getting to know people, if nothing else, for you know, then, then for the sheer curiosity of how their work fits into you know, everything. But there's also that added benefit of now they know your name and now they might be more inclined to vouch for you in a you know, performance management cycle or when those decisions you know, ultimately kind of get made. Another one that I'll, I'll touch on as well, in, in the same sort of like vein of collaboration, I think that folks will often focus on their own individual contributions, and surely you should because that that's you know ultimately something that you really can control. But they'll really look to you know push hard on their own individual contributions, and you know I, I think that you've got to take a look at if an organization is <clears throat> is an organization that promotes rock stars, then maybe that is something that you. Can do, and that might benefit you in your career. But if your organization is one that values that collaboration, the broad base, the you know, hey, it's a team effort. Call out everybody on the team, and and you know, don't actually call out in public, you know, individual super high performers necessarily. Then really consider your approach to that, right? Really consider the way that you you know talk about only yourself, and instead really try to focus up on the on the team, and and really make sure that you're not only doing what you can individually to, to move forward, but also make sure that you're pulling other folks up with you, that you're, you know, answering, making the time to answer questions, you know, as they're asked, making the time to reach out to different folks who may have questions, proactively reaching out to folks and seeing how you can be helpful. And and even the little things too, like remembering folks' birthdays and, you know, remembering their dog's names or their kids' names or, or what have you. I think that those are all things that can go a long way in terms of, and, and I think that ultimately they're a reflection of the value of the organization. So my ultimate guidance here in terms of folks that are looking to move forward in your career in the context of values, take a good look at what are the values that are espoused within your organization and try to do things that are, you know, very much in line with that.
0: This is something that we honestly haven't touched on as much on this show, but I think it's Mm -hmm. so important that going back to the foundation of the company what is our, what are our values? What's our mission? What's our stated purpose Mm -hmm. and how do I connect my work? and the way I interact with my colleagues and the clients, how do I connect all of that together? And being a culture carrier is, to your point, one of the best ways Mm -hmm. that you can set yourself apart in your career. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for diving into values-aware transformation. I I think it's an amazing topic. I think it's totally a differentiator for Constellation. I'll get you out of here on this. Do you have any sort of a BHAG that you're running after right now? Yeah,
1: I guess, you know, professionally, the third one would be really nice. A three-time gold partner. That would, I would say, definitely be a BHAG for me. But the most important BHAG for me right now in my life is, is being a good dad. My wife and I, we welcomed a baby girl last year. She's growing up way too fast and just really thinking about raising her to be a great contributing member of society. What are the types of values that we raise her? with, I think that's the ultimate B-hag that I'm, I'm looking at right now is to hopefully raise somebody that is, is really great will be proud of us in the same way that we're, we're proud of her and, and hopefully, you know, any future siblings as well. So.
0: Values Aware Parenting. Love it. That I, I, that needs to be its own podcast. It needs to be its own company.
1: <laughs> honestly, it like permeates everywhere through my life. And since I started really looking at it, like literally, every, I cannot see things without Thinking about the values that went into the way that an ad is generated or the way that a queuing system is designed or the way that it, it, once you, once you see it, like, I feel like it's a gift and a curse. They can't unsee it. It's really interesting. It's given me a really interesting view on the world.
0: I think we all need a little bit more and could use a little bit more values-based living, values-based working in the decisions that we make on a day-to-day basis. Thank you for sharing that. Where can people find you if they want to get in touch and learn more?
1: Yeah, absolutely. LinkedIn is definitely the best place. LinkedIn, just look me up, Zaf Mar. I think I'm the only one, as far as I know. Otherwise, you can check us out at, at our website, www.constell.ai, and see what we're up to. Thanks, All righty. thank you very much, Chad. has been a real pleasure.
0: Thanks for watching, thanks for listening. Wherever you're consuming this, if it's YouTube, if it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we appreciate you make sure you're subscribed. We have a lot more amazing guests on the way, a lot more great content. We're doing our best to bring you value and have fun while we do it. Uh, We really want this to be a career advantage listening to this show and we want you to enjoy it. So it means a lot. Make sure you're subscribed for what's, what's to come. And also if you're up for it, it would mean a lot if you leave us a like, a comment, a rating, a review, whatever platform you're on that really helps and it gets us fired up when we see those. So I appreciate you guys. Find us on LinkedIn. I'm Blake Bozarth, my co-host Chad Pike with a Y. Would love to connect with you
1: there. Have an awesome day. See you next time. Peace.